0: Welcome to the first in this series of lectures on understanding Ambedkar. We will start this series from the first lecture on Gandhism, the doom of untouchables. So herein we want to talk about Ambedkar's vision for the reconstruction of Indian society. His major contention was where are there? Whenever there are any discussions on what is the ideal way of reconstruction of Indian society we are given options like individualism, collectivism but now there is a new option in town the Gandhism according to Gandhi there is no such thing as Gandhism it is kind of an imaginary philosophy but Ambedkar argues that Gandhi has nowhere denied it that something like this even exists and this philosophy actually has caught the imagination of rich and poor alike people are interested in this so called philosophy if if there is any philosophy and some of them are not shying away to call it even as the alternative of Marxism Now is there anything called gandhism if there is then how should untouchables react to it should untouchables be in favor of it or is it or is gandhism the doom of untouchables so this is the major question that ambedkar is raising in this reading in the propagation of the so called ism of gandhism Major Gandhists, the followers of Mahatma Gandhi have been in forefront in constructing the ideas of Gandhism and what does it stand for? The major principles and precepts. Now, Ambedkar first of all wants to emphasize that some of these conceptions are just imaginary. First conception that Gandhism means return to the village and make village self-sufficient, which gives out the conception of regionalism, is a, a false one or is an inadequate representation of what Gandhi actually stands for. Gandhism is more than being, re, being regional, being returning to the village, talking about self-sufficiency. Rather, it has some economic And social philosophy also. So, merely to project Gandhism as regionalism, returning to villages, primitive life, is a deceptive account. Ambedkar wants to highlight that it is more than that. And what evades the eye of the rational masses is the economic and social philosophy. So, Gandhi actually stands for something more, more than regionalism. Now to highlight what does caste stand for in the social aspect in the theory of Gandhism or the ideas of Gandhi in general, Ambedkar cites a general called Navjivan which was published in 1921-22 in which Gandhi has explicitly explained his stance on caste and caste system which were quite revelatory in this aspect of is thinking about caste system. They were following ideas which you can see in the reading, but the major ones were that Hindu society is being able to stand due to caste system. The seeds of Swaraj is located in the caste system. Caste system has the political basis, has the judicial function, has the military function. Caste is another name for control it calls for restraint it also employs hereditary occupation which is eternal which avoids chaos so that people are destined people those who are destined to do certain things do that and there is a certain level of control always remain in the society so in is in the last line gandhi Emphasizes that he is opposed to all those who are out to destroy the caste system Now these ideas are quite revelatory for Ambedkar Ambedkar is now skeptical of Gandhi's actual desire to bring a reform in the Hinduism So as Gandhi was defender of of caste system in 1922 In 1925, Gandhi became critical of caste system as it promoted limitation instead of restraint. And secondly, it was against the tenet of shastras. And the fusion of caste was required now as there are too many castes and this fusion of caste can actually bring forth Varna system. Now Abedkar notices and traces out his movement from favoring caste system, favoring Varna system. Now we should ask ourselves in this aspect that does the actual thinking of Gandhi changes during this period? We should ask ourselves again this question that does Gandhi becomes an opposer of the structural inequalities, or he's just changing terminologies and the Varna system in the ancient Indian society was divided into four orders, as you all know: Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya and Shudra. Now, what is the Varna system in the ideas of Mr. Gandhi? He, his conception of Varna system was that VARNA system is based on the qualities and it doesn't put any bar on anyone of any VARNA to learn the traits, to learn the art of the different VARNA but the caveat in this whole thing is that they cannot make this art, this learning as a way of living so even though you are good at teaching, you are good at the shastras, you are good at fighting. If you are Shudra, you cannot make fighting your occupation, you cannot make teaching your occupation, you cannot make any other thing your occupation, except what has been dictated by your Varna. The objective of Varna system was to prevent any competition in this society. Even if you are good at something that is not prescribed by your Varna You cannot pose any competition to any other person who is belonging to that Varna Which according to Gandhi reduced class conflicts, which reduced class structure In Varna system no one had the liberty to choose their own occupation It is already based on the accident so these are the social ideas that Ambedkar highlighted. Now, why are these ideas important? Why does Ambedkar actually emphasizes that in his book? He tries to bring out what the actual social thought of Gandhi is. The so-called savior of untouchables, the so-called pro-untouchable Gandhism it doesn't seem to be what it promises as propagated by the followers of Gandhi. Now we move on to what are his views on the economic life as we all know first of all the first and the foremost is the opposition to the machinery. He had complete opposition to the machinery. His opposition to machinery is well evident in his idealization of charkha the spinning wheel and hand weaving but these are not the matter of accident, this has some philosophical foundations, as Ambedkar argues. That Gandhi, in his Kaithavat political conference on 8th January 1925, emphasized that these machines are lifeless entities, and if we depend solely on these machines, our body will go to rust, our body will just decay. So, it is a law that our body should be fully worked and fully utilized. If we do manual labor, it would amount to shahiri body labor. In the Hind Swaraj itself, Mr. Gandhi has called the Western civilization as the invention of Satan. The second ideal that Mr. Gandhi propagates is the divide between class war and class struggle in India. And he argues that In India, there has been no story of the struggle between the labor and the capital As he goes on to emphasize the case of the laborers of Bombay wherein he denounces any move of violence against the factory owners and in the second case he denounces the struggle by the Kisan against the UP zamindar upholding Zamindar's right or rent and other way of non-cooperation. So his non-cooperation itself was limited in a sense that it was directed against British. In no circumstances, under no circumstances, the exploitative relationship between a Zamindar and a Kisan has to be thwarted. His untethered passion towards making the both un- compatible classes, come to a settlement, according to Ambedkar, reflects not passion for economic equality. So according to Gandhi, which Ambedkar understands that the owners, the factory owners, the property owners, the landlords need not to deprive themselves of their property, rather they should act as trustees of their property. And of course, trust is a very valuable commodity. Chambetkar argues that cannot be placed on people who uphold this exploitative relationship. So is there anything new in uh, Gandhian analysis of uh, economic ill? Vedkar doesn't think so. Whatever criticisms Gandhi lodged against the modern civilization, the modern machinery like concentrated management, uh credit facilities in the hand of few world wars, deaths, crippling, etc. are old worn out arguments which has already been made by Rousseau, Ruskin, Tolstoy and their school and is nothing Gandhi himself brings out in this assessment. The ideas preached by Gandhi are just primitive, which focuses on returning back to the animalistic life, the simplistic life. The economic ideas of Gandhi are hopelessly fallacious. He ignores the fact that it is not the machine which creates social disharmony. It is the social organization itself that creates disharmony, that focuses wealth in the hands of few instead of gains not being accruing to everyone. So it is not the machine or the civilization, rather it is the social organization. Ambedkar argues that these arguments which promulgate return to the simplistic life as just stupid or just hopeless as it doesn't differentiate human living from that of animal. Agreed, human and animals share certain aspects of life like nutrition, reproduction, etc. But human has something more than the brute animal that is the faculty of reason. Through this faculty of reasons, we try to make sense, the human try to make sense of the universe, try to appreciate the beauty of our nature, try to make something out of our nature. So what does this reason allow us to cultivate? This reason, this faculty of mind, allows us to cultivate the culture. The culture which is the pinnacle of human civilization. Cultivation of culture is the characteristic of a society. Now Ambedkar argues that when can a human being cultivate this culture? He argues that when human get some time of surviving, he gets time off to himself or herself. Then only human being can think about something else, some cultivating some interest, cultivating some artistic interest for example. So how can a human do that? Like I said, well that human being gets some time. So and when can that human being get some time? When there is an aspect of leisure. So Ambedkar draws connection between leisure and culture it is leisure that allows human to dedicate their life to culture when machine and modernized equipments reduce the toil on the human body of a human they reduce the effort human needs to produce some good the human being gets time for himself the human being can actually have leisure and it is this leisure that allows human to cultivate culture. Through these arguments Abedkar tries to emphasize that Gandhi doesn't value culture just because he doesn't value the importance of machinery and modern civilization. That means Gandhi may very well be against democracy itself because what is the slogan of democracy? The democracy aspires to provide culture and leisure to the people. When in democracy, people get time to pursue their interests. So, democracy requires modern machinery. But instead, Gandhi wants us to return to nature. Back to the poverty. Back to the ignorance and destitute and drudgery and toil to the vast majority of Ambedkar argues that class structure is the official doctrine of Gandhism. There are no common plane where two contradictory classes can meet. There is no endosmosis. They have no shared interest. What this class structure does is, it educates the lower classes into slavery and creates a complex, a psychological complex which enters into their mentality and makes them form this slave aspect into as a part of their own identity. And for the privileged class, they have this feeling of exclusivity in them. They become less social. Rather, they are anti-social. Their interest is contradictory. It creates two divisions which cannot be met. Now, what is the problem in Gandhism is that Gandhism has no problem with this structure and in fact Gandhi ascribes the spirituality into this arrangement He ascribes living faith into this arrangement which makes Gandhism problematic The idea of trusteeship that the propertied class hold their property in the trust of the poor is a very puerile argument, is a very stupid argument. The reality of the world shows that property class and poor class have antagonist relationship. Just to expect this kind of idealism, this kind of trust and faith from the class whose interest is completely opposite to yours is a very stupid understanding, is a very stupid optimism. Abedkar argues that the social idea of Gandhism is either caste or varna. As we have seen in our the previous part portion he emphasizes the use of varna. He emphasizes the varna system but Ambedkar argues that varna system and caste system are something against the spirit of democracy. So either you can uphold the caste and varna system which is based on inequality Or either you can support democracy In which there is equality among everyone Irrespective of any social difference Ambedkar then goes on to systematically demolish The arguments in the favor of caste and Varna system raised by Gandhi First of all Gandhi raises that Caste system has been eternal Has survived invasions Has survived conversion effort But Ambedkar argues that Actually, there is no honor in just mere survival. What Hindus have done is that they have tried to make the slavery comfortable. What differentiates Hindu from other defeated civilization is other civilizations have actually opposed, have actually revolted against their invaders. Whereas Hindus have tried to make slavery comfortable. Caste, according to Gandhi, is an instrument for primary education, judicial and military function. Whereas Ambedkar argues that caste is in fact the worst form, worst instrument of discharge of this function. It can cause corruption in judiciary. For example, the higher caste judge will always give judgment in favour of his caste comrade. With regard to raising different military units, well, Mr. Gandhi has been the recruiting agent of British. The fact that he couldn't raise a military unit. Under the caste basis, under the or- occupational theory, basically proves the point that it is not feasible. Ambedkar argues that the interdining and intermarrying arguments raised by Gandhi are revolting, are plain bogus. In effect, that he has outdone the orthodox Hindus themselves. Ambedkar argues that intercaste marriages are actually necessary so that this caste dynamics, this caste separation, this stratification of caste is broken when the blood is mixed. How is that mixed? It is mixed through intercaste marriages. And this is an interesting uh, portion wherein Ambedkar completely uh, destroys Gandhi when Gandhi compares the act of separate eating which is equivalent to the call of nature you should read that in the reader he calls it the argument of a madman demolishing the argument about restraint and morality Amirkar agrees that caste system puts a restraint in a man which forbids him marrying women from other caste but that restraint doesn't apply to the women of same caste so People from the same caste keep multiple women, have multiple marriages, so what about the absolute morality in this aspect? So you can either choose the caste-based morality or the absolute morality. For any human, the absolute morality would have to matter more than the caste-based morality. So the morality of the caste system itself is perverted in a form. Pitkar goes on to demolish another argument made by Gandhi that Emphasizes Varna system being hereditary and adult. Ambedkar argues that although it may be agreeable to some or disagreeable to some, but why make it official? Why make it compulsory that you have to follow the occupation of your father? Ambedkar argued that the caste system has survived as a legal system because it has denied people the right to education, deprived people from possessing arms as well as right to property. It is not a natural system. In fact, it is a cruel and brutal system enforced by the authority and the hegemony of the higher Brahminical caste. According to Ambedkar, Mr. Gandhi has shown no inclination to change his views regarding caste and varna. His flip-flop between caste and varna doesn't indicate any growth of New revolutionary ideology. Rather, he has never grown out of the casteist ideology. His favor of democracy, his views against capitalism has nothing revolutionary in them. He is the same old supporter of the caste system. Ambedkar calls Gandhism a paradox. It stands for the freedom from foreign domination, but it Promotes the domination by the existing political feudal relations. The domination by one caste over another caste. The domination of one class over another class based on the hereditary occupation. Which is not temporary or transitional. Rather it is perpetual. This is the paradox in Gandhi's thinking. Then what exactly then? the essence of Swaraj B in Gandhi's understanding. Ambedkar then goes on to highlight two special features of Gandhism which differentiates it from Marxism. The first special feature is that Gandhism promotes the philosophy which helps the people who have to keep what they have and prevent. Gandhism as a philosophy promotes the idea and helps those Already have and prevent people from getting what they have a right to. Illustrating this fact, Ambedkar brings into light Gandhi's notion or Gandhi's attitude rather to strikes, the trusteeship by the rich. In these instances, we can see that nowhere Gandhi is talking about equalizing the society, taking away from the rich. In fact, it it deludes people into believing, and accepting the misfortune as blessings. He gave these misfortune a religious twist to beguile the untouchables. For example, the Hindu sacred law penalizes shudras for acquiring property, but instead of lifting the ban, Gandhi blesses Shudra for the moral courage, for giving up property. So he gives this religious twist, this spiritual twist, to protect the caste system, to protect the rich, to protect the sanctity of the immoral and unequal social order of Hinduism. Another illustration is of scavenger and how through propaganda, Gandhi puts out the picture of scavenging as a very noble profession, as a profession that is actually cleaning the Hindu society. This propaganda of Gandhi infuriates Ambedkar. He argues that Gandhism is basically preaching the rule of poverty and not merely to everyone but only to Shudra. By convincing Shudras that scavenging is a noble profession, Through appeal to their sentimentality, to their pride, to their vanity, to preaching them that it is good for you, but not good for any other. According to Ambedkar, is a cruel joke on the helpless classes. But Gandhi is completely shameless in putting forth these kind of ideas. So criticism aside, Ambedkar argues that this is a very deceptive game Gandhi is playing. Gandhism is an ism which transforms the victimhood into privileges. It's a very uh, malicious technique, according to Shakespeare, that transforms abuse into privileges. It convinces victim that they are the privileged, they are the blessed section of the society. Vedkar wonders that. Should Gandhism become the law of the land? What would become of untouchables under that law? Well, it obviously shows that untouchable would not be any better off than they are today. Ambedkar moves on to highlight another precept of Gandhism which is banning of untouchabilities. Ambedkar critically analyzes the Gandhism ban for untouchability and does it mean anything? He approaches it through asking two questions. First of all, would Gandhi answer or Gandhism rather answer to the aspect of pollution? And Secondly, how will Gandhism react or how will Gandhism promote education for the untouchables? With regard to first question, Ambedkar argues that Gandhism doesn't allow entertaining and intermarriage and the idea of pollution can be counteracted by touching by mixing of blood by intermingling and social animosis and since Gandhism doesn't allow any scope for interdining and intermarriage it is it can be said that Gandhi is Gandhism doesn't actually deal with this issue in a very proper way second is the improbability of Shudras to actually assimilate Atishudras into their fold. Gandhi provides them with a different term called Harijans but according to Ambedkar Gandhi has tried to kill two birds with the one stone. He has shown that assimilation of untouchables within the Shudra fold is not possible and this new terminology has made that assim- assimilation Impossible. Now since there will be no assimilation, there would be no point of banning untouchability. With regard to second question, yes, Gandhism does allow people to study law. They are touchables rather to study law, um, have knowledge of Shastras, but it also emphasizes them to practice their hereditary occupation, whatever their fathers did. Shudra cannot teach. Ashudra cannot fight, cannot engage in warfare. So what would be the use of their education if they cannot practice that art as a way of living? Gandhi provides an emphatic no. The virtue of anti-untouchability plank in Gandhism is illusionary. There is no substance in it. Ambedkar letter illustrates that Gandhism is nothing but another form of Sanatanism, a militant orthodox Hinduism. He specifies what are the the similarities between both of them. Hinduism believes in hereditary profession, so so does Gandhism. Hinduism enjoins cow worship, so does Gandhism. Hinduism upholds the law of karma predestination, so does Gandhism. Hinduism accepts authority of Shastras so does Gandhism There are lot of similarities between Hinduism and Gandhism Finally, and the most emphatic one of that is the similarity between the caste system and the Varna system The nefarious move by Gandhi in this context is Hinduism has set of laws which might appear bad but what gandhism does to them is it provides them with a philosophical justification it makes them appear smooth it gives them appearance of respectability the decency makes them attractive it covers up the nudity of hinduism in the words of ambedkar so that is the philosophy gandhism is nothing but An illusionary cover, a philosophical justification to the crude and unequal practices of Hinduism. Professor Radhakrishnan called Gandhi a god on earth, but Ambedkar argues that this god by the name of Gandhi has not came to console an afflicted race, rather he told the afflicted race that I am here to abide by the law of caste. I won't change. So is he really the god on earth? Is Gandhism really the panakya or the healing of the untouchables? Is Gandhism really a tool of salvation for the untouchable? Well, Ambedkar argues that it is nothing but a chamber of horrors for the untouchable. All the elements that harmed untouchables found their safe haven in Gandhism. Gandhi might criticize caste, but won't call it evil or bad and won't even condemn Varna system. Ambedkar advises that untouchables should run away from Gandhism. Thank you.